The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that cannot be bought for $44 billion. I'm running this thing into the ground myself, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to spend money to, to, to just absolutely spin this podcast out of control. Uh, yeah, we will maybe address what Jake is referring to at some point in the future. But for now, there's baseball to talk about. The baseball rolls on no matter what platform we're talking about it on. And on this episode of Baseball Barbacast, we, because we are recording on Friday, we wanted to give all the awards room to breathe so we could talk about those. We're not going to spend too much time on those because I don't think we care about awards as much as the average fan, but we'll talk about that at the jump. Then we're going to get uh, across uh, some some news. Uh, Jerry Depoto made a couple trades. That's obviously exciting. And then we're going to get to the 10 free agents we are most excited about, most interested in, most curious about, and they can't be one of the top 10 that we've already been talking about so much. So we're going to we're going to branch out a little bit in this free agent class. But Jake, we must begin with the awards and the way we're going to have this conversation. We have ranked the eight awards given out by the BBWA this week in order of how much we give a shit. Uh, and we are going to go eight to one in terms of how much we care and talk about them very quickly and then do some down ballot hero discussion for the MVP ballots. But let's begin at number eight, Jake, NL manager of the year. <laughs> snooze, snooze fest. 300 win managers. Listen, I'm all for career retrospectives. Amazing. Buckshaw Walters won for a fourth time. But if we're talking managers, it was Rob Thompson's year. And because they voted on this before the postseason, uh, he was not a finalist. And so it was goofy. <laughs> The manager of the year is always stupid because it is really about how good the team is, too. If you look at the six NL managers who got votes, oh, it's the six postseason teams. How about that? That's pretty wild. What a convenient thing. And you mentioned Rob Thompson. The true value, in my opinion, of a manager is in the postseason. Like, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's really when we talk about the managers. <laughs> right? Over, yeah. I would argue that like over 50% of your job is October related. And mm-hmm. so to vote on this beforehand, I understand that's what you have to do logistically. But it just feels silly to see Rob Thompson behind Ali Marmol on this list when <laughs> we clearly, clearly learned in October that Thompson right now is better at managing than Marmol. Especially when we are already 95% going to vote for the managers in the postseason. We might as well then judge how they did in the postseason too. Now listen, should we? Should it be like uh, college baseball where you just give coach of the year to usually the one who won the national championship? Maybe not. But that's why manager of the year is silly. A, a little bit more interesting. But before we get to the manager of the year, the seventh. Buck Showalter won, which we didn't say. I, I said Buck, he won fourth, fourth team, fourth team, fourth decade. I mean, again, this is even sillier because <laughs> he blew it. The Mets blew it at the end of the year because the vibes, the vibes were so bad at the end of the year for the Mets, right? They just felt they just faded away. And Buck Showalter couldn't do anything about it. And he's the manager of the year. I will say I would vote for Buck over Snicker and Dave Roberts, but um, that's already giving it too much thought. All right, let's go to Hale Cy Young. Uh, we had two unanimous Cy Young winners. This one, Justin Verlander. Now, from a historical standpoint, this is insane. This is amazing. He got Tommy John. He won the Cy Young. He got Tommy John at age 38. He came back. He won Cy Young again. That is amazing. He's one of the best pitchers ever. He won the World Series. He's uh, Listen, we will be talking about Justin Verlander for years and years and years to come. However, in terms of the race, the competition, because we've been referring to him as the Cy Young winner for the entire postseason, it's like, I, yeah, I, this is not it. I was not compelled to see these results. And, uh, you know, Dylan Cease is awesome. Mino is awesome. They'll Maybe they'll win a Cy Young in the future when Justin Verlander is actually spending time with his family. <laughs> Which will not happen anytime soon, clearly. <laughs> Let's move on to number six of what we give a crap about. 
AL manager of the year. Now, mm-hmm. it's it's easy to get mad about things that don't matter because that's what we do as people. And as a Baltimore Orioles aficionado to see skipper Brandon Hyde finish second, you know, didn't didn't hype me up, wasn't amped about it. <laughs> but I totally understand that Terry Francona, who again, a year ago this time was maybe done managing forever, like this guy remember had big health problems and was limping to the mound and looked really sick, came back, guided a very young Guardians team to a division title, beat mm-hmm. the Rays, took the Yankees to five. I got no problem with him winning, really. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And obviously Mariners fans are pissed. Service, oh, look at all the one-run wins and he they broke the draft. Like, yeah, sure, I'm great. I, You know, I and like it also, it's like with Hyde, it's like he was also the manager when they sucked ass. It's like the Orioles got better players. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I love Brandon Hyde too. I would probably vote for him considering how bad we really thought the Orioles were going to be. But I, well, how much am I really crediting him? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's good, but it's just, it's just all very goofy. It's like Brandon Hyde, why didn't you just do this last year? Yeah. And it's the same with Scott Service. It's like, oh, well, they traded for Luis Castillo. Like, that helps to break the drought. <laughs> Luis Castillo is actually the manager of the year. But exactly. my favorite thing here is Aaron Boone getting two down ballot votes. Mm. Including a second, including a second place vote. <laughs> hilarious. Hilarious, hilarious. Just because whenever the Yankees fail, he is public enemy number one. <laughs> and to see Aaron Boone with someone was like, you know, he might have been the second best manager this year. And everyone in New York City is like, I hope he falls into the Hudson. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough manager talk. Let's move on to NL Cy Young. This one, I was much happier to see another unanimous decision. Now, same thing with Verlander. We all knew Sandy was going to win for for months now, I would say. I was much more concerned about the the rest of the ballot and the order of the rest of the of the pitchers. And listen, you can make strong arguments for a lot of these guys. Of course, I believe Carlos Rodon deserved to be much higher uh, on these on these ballots. But listen, Nola was awesome. I mean, this that was a little bit more interesting. But let's talk about Sandy. Only the third Dominican pitcher ever to win the Cy Young after Pedro Martinez and Bartolo Colon. Uh, and just how he did it and how I, I just love that someone, yeah, you know, we saw Giancarlo Stanton win an MVP with a, a Marlins team that was still, I would say, more relevant at that time than this Marlins team this year was, right? And for everyone to recognize, like, oh, yes, Sandy is that dude was really, really, really cool. There was a similar thing that went on when Shane McClanahan got to start the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. be a uni- to be celebrated and recognized so obviously as a baseball player who plays at Florida, where no <laughs> exactly. one really gives a shit. You have to be so much better than the average. You have to be overwhelmingly excellent. And that's what Sandy was all year. Unanimous decision. I just love the idea that like, you know, the writer in San Francisco who maybe didn't even see Sandy pitch was like, oh, no, no, that's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, Gallon also was very deserving. And it was cool to see him finish fifth. Um, (laughs) Edwin Diaz got a second place vote. Um, that would say, yeah, John Den from LB.com dropping the Sandy, Edwin Diaz, Julio Urias, Kyle Wright, Ryan Helsley ballot. I mean, that's some heat right there. Woo. That is a man, that is a man who was confident Twitter was going to be dead yesterday. Um, but, but yes, uh, instead, uh, you know, I, I obviously we're glad the ballots are, are transparent, you know, and you have to defend them, whatever. It's, we, you're not saying we should be sending these, these rotors death threats. It's just, it's all, it's all fun and good, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the, your remember everyone, your likes are public. Let's move on to <laughs> the NL MVP where Paul Wall Goldschmidt mm. wins the 18th MVP in Cardinals history, which yes. is really difficult to understand that they have 18 MVPs, right? Right. That's well, nuts. Well, well, it's also a good reminder that they have, they have the second most World Series, right? Uh, yeah. Behind the Yankees by a lot. Um, but because there's the Yankees, it's like, well, who cares if you have what 12, 13? Um, but I, I was not surprised Goldschmidt won. I was surprised, but honestly happy to see that Machado is the one that ended up with seven first place votes, uh, instead of Arenado. Cause statistically Arenado was right there with both Machado and Goldschmidt. Um, but I, I mean, Manny was awesome. And, and, and this is, you know, this is the closest 
Machado's come to winning an MVP. And I, I remember writing in May, like, okay, if Tatis is out of the way, that's even before we didn't know Tatis wasn't coming back. But with Tatis out of the way and Machado keeping them, you know, competent, I mean, he was carrying them for the first half. Uh, it was really, really cool to see. I mean, getting this is now he's finished third, he's finished fourth, he's finished fifth, and now he's finished second. So I, I was happy to see the Machado result there. My favorite and, thing yeah. is that looking at the votes here, mm-hmm. that the two Braves writers had Freddie Freeman second. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. That's a very good point. Yeah, I, that was. Oh, and then also, like, I, from saying Machado, I mean, Goldschmidt finally won. I mean, this dude had finished yeah. in the top five like four or five times. So. I think that also probably helped him win pretty handily, uh, but very deserving, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, now and we to, have to, talk to win, yeah. to win as a first baseman, yes, is hard. That's yes. really hard to do because your value is being sucked down by the fact that Jordan and I could play your def- position defensively, <laughs> and you have to be so much better as a hitter yes. Yes. to and he was. get the WAR number to a point where people are comfortable pulling the trigger. And he in was in today's day and age, and he was. Uh, one more thing on the National League MVP ballot. Uh, so we, we look, go look a little bit farther down. Uh, okay, we got, oh, Austin Riley. Okay, Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo got a second place vote. I actually am just noticing that now. Pete Alonzo getting a second place vote from Rick Hummel. We love it. Uh, Rick Hummel, the like, has been at the St. Louis Dispatch for 50 years. And honestly, I, I actually am so glad to see that because that is very representative where Pete Alonzo would finish second. 40 years ago because he led the league in RBIs and he hit 40 home runs for a team that won hundred games. Yep. Sounds like an MVP to me. <laughs> yep. Uh, but there's one ballot we have to talk about for the NL MVP. And that's one Tracy Ringlesby, who, if you're not familiar with Tracy Ringlesby, another long time scribe, as they say, is the hero that gave us Daniel Bard ninth place. Not just, and yes, Tracy Ringlesby, unsurprisingly Colorado based, but <laughs> I love that Daniel Vard got one ninth place vote and Edwin Diaz got two tenth place votes. So Daniel Vard actually finished ahead, or sorry, tied with Edwin Diaz. I love that. Just quickly on Tracy Ringlesby. He's one of the writers who's like in the Hall of Fame. Yes. He's been doing this since, you know, me and Jordan's parents were born. And so part of that is guy who has nothing to lose gets to make a favor vote. And the other thing is a guy who literally doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks because he's in the Hall of Fame being like, fuck you, I'm voting for Daniel Bard. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it looks very silly, right? When you see there will always be like an MVP and then a number next to Daniel Bard's name mm-hmm. on his baseball reference page, but it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't no. actually do anything. Like, Ringlesby no. doing this has no real-world impact. I guess you could argue that there are contract stipulations for MVP finishes yes. and whatever, and that's why this does feel a little weird sometimes. But I just can't stop laughing at the idea of Daniel Bard being there and that the guy who did it is like, fuck it, I got nothing to lose. I'm living on a farm in Wyoming. Like, I'm going to vote for whoever I want. I was the head <laughs> also- of the BBWAA forever. What are you going to do? Kick me out? He also voted for Julio Arias third in MVP. So, so I mean, it's like you could argue that's even more egregious in some ways uh, because we've seen favor votes in ninth or tenth all kinds of times. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, but these are fine. We're not going to get too too worked up about it. Uh, let's move on to National League Rookie of the Year. This was a result I was pretty surprised by. Um, I thought it was going to be closer and I would have bet Strider would win. But instead, Michael Harris getting 22 of the, two, of the 31st place votes uh, <laughs> Strider getting eight and then 21 of the second place votes because of one ballot that had Alexis Diaz, yes, brother of Edwin Diaz, <laughs> getting a second place vote. Incredible. I mean, just an amazing stuff. Alexis Diaz was awesome this year, but was he more awesome than either the Braves guys? Of course not. Uh, were you surprised by this result? A little bit. I think the difference here just comes down to Harris playing every day. And you see him day in and day out. It's harder for a pitcher to win Rookie of the Year and MVP, right? It's I think it's in a similar dynamic where you have to be so overwhelmingly good. And Strider was oh yeah down the stretch. But I think yeah. him getting hurt 
and missing a little bit of time towards the end of the year was probably yeah. the difference. Yep. Harris was just so transformational when he came up, right? And as a writer, when you're voting, it's very easy to say, this team was struggling. And then this guy showed up and then they were good. And that is well, why they were better. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But I would say about Harris, he is he is not that different from Julio. Like it, it, now he has a fraction of the charisma and outgoing nature. He's really cool, but he, you know, I, I love the, the money Mike and, and like he's, you know, it's not like people aren't going to have Michael Harris jerseys. Right. But just because he, you know, he swings like crazy. He's going to strike out a lot. He's allergic to walks, but he's a better defender. He doesn't have the power that Julio has, but he can hit the ball pretty freaking hard. He's got juice. He's as good and probably almost certainly a better defender. What more do you want? He's amazing. He barely played in the minors. Like he is, he is tremendous. I am so impressed with Michael Harris. He is, he's so, so, so good. So I was not mad he won. I was just kind of surprised. All right. Let's move on to the American League Rookie of the Year, AKA the Cespedes Family Barbecue Bowl, in which Julio Rodriguez emerged victorious, Mm -hmm. getting 29 of the 30 first place votes. I thought it was going to be a little closer than this, to be honest with you. Yes, I would have guessed he was going to get like 23. Um, listen, Adley is amazing. And I and I know Ben Nicholson-Smith, who I quite enjoy, was the one guy that voted for him um, first place. And like, yeah, he, I think he gets totally rational. Like, it's it's fine. I'm not <laughs> like, I, I pretty much knew Julio was going to win. And if Adley had someone won, I would be like, wow, that's amazing. Good for him. He's he's. They're both transformational. It's This is one of those things where it's stupid to try and tear down one of the other players just as with MVP conversations. Like it's, it's stupid. And for us personally, these two players that have single-handedly changed our franchises immediately, like what are we going to get mad about who wins the award? Like they're going to be on our favorite teams for the next, well, Julio forever and Adley <laughs> hopefully forever. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I'm happy for Julio, but it's also, it's like, this, this is the, the, he finished ahead of Mike Trout and MVP voting. Like we'll, we'll talk about AL MVP in a second, but like, that's way more important than this. So. Yeah, it's fine. I would say that in a lot of other years, both of these guys usually would have won. Like Adley would have won many other seasons. Totally. He's a rookie catcher who, transformed the Orioles staff into competency by being such a good defender back there. But Julio played all year. Now, I do think it is important to remember, and people did lose sight of this. While the Orioles did a lot of service time manipulation bullshit and have and probably will continue to, he was hurt at the beginning of the year. This was not a the team kept him down like he was injured for the first couple weeks and Mm -hmm. a bunch of spring. And so he didn't come up for a while. And you know, because he finishes second, he now gets a uh, takes a year off of his service time at the back end of the contract under the new CBA. Remember? Mm-hmm. So he still he still gets it anyway. He still gets that that full year. So, yeah, no, he's look. look I mean, uh, they're both amazing. And and by the way, Stephen Kwan, we love Stephen Kwan too. And uh, for all the tweets, of course, the Guardians Twitter is going to be like, oh, this is Travis. It's, yeah, it's fine. Stephen Kwan's awesome. He wasn't going to win. <laughs> you know, who, the fact that he got 10 second place votes should tell you how impressive he was, honestly. Do you know who knew Stephen Kwan wasn't going to win? Stephen Kwan. And then the exactly. number one award that we cared about, obviously, was the AL MVP. Mm-hmm. Just to see how much the Otani judge breakdown would be, this award garnered the most debate ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Judge got 28 of the 31st place votes, which to me is Totally correct. I would have expected Otani, I think, to get a couple more than that. I was a little surprised that he didn't. And the two Otani votes were the two Angels writers LA, in the BBWA. LA based. Yeah. LA yeah. based, which, like, duh, totally fine. They see him every day. They, But Judge had the MVP season, and yep. this is fine. I have no notes. I was surprised, too, that he didn't have more, but none of us were expecting uh, Otani to win. Um, it's, I mean, Otani had the best season ever, but like you said, it's, it's, it's a narrative thing and it's the judge had one of the best seasons ever too. And you know, the argument you made earlier when you went on the Starkville pod, right? It's like, what was, who was the season was about? It was about judge. It was about Otani too, but it was about judge. And so, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, other than that, there weren't any other, there were not any goofy about shouts out to Marley Rivera for giving Yandi Diaz a ninth place vote. I love that. And I love Yandi. So that made me happy. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty uh, 
and yeah, Julio, a man. Pretty Julio finishing above Mike Trout. Like I just, I, what a, I know Mike Trout was hurt, but what a thing. What a thing. Adley got MVP. Didn't Adley get some MVP votes too? Adley well, yeah, got a bunch. Did, I think he someone a, put he him got fifth. A fifth place vote. Oh my god. I mean, this is like this. This is the thing. You t- t- if you told us, forget rookie of the year, right? Because we were already talking about Adley and Julio for rookie of the year. If you had told us that they would both finish in the top what ten of MVP voting in the first year, I mean, we'd be we'd be ecstatic. It's so cool. Anyway, those are the awards. Uh, congrats to the award winners. Uh, let's take a very quick break, and we will be right back with some news. Hey, everyone. This is Lindsay Rhodes, host of the NFL Roadshow, a SiriusXM podcast, inviting you to join me three, yes, three times a week for NFL analysis that goes beyond the low-hanging fruit. On Mondays, we react to the biggest stories of the NFL weekend. On Wednesdays, we pick one topic to really dig in on. And on Fridays, I'll give you all the fantasy football advice you need in just 15 minutes. We call it the Fantasy 15. Download new episodes of the NFL Roadshow right now on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. It's time to talk about the news. We love the news. It's always on at my parents' house, which means I'm very in the know. Oh, yeah. So here we you are. I know what's going on. I know what's going on. My parents are always talking about Teoscar Hernandez getting traded. And so we're going to cover that now. Let's just run through the quick hits. Jordan, the Blue Jays outfielder, dealt to the Mariners. Mm. One year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Tioscar will be their starting left fielder, right fielder? What fielder? Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> he could be right. He could be left. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's, it's this probably closes the door on Mitch Hanniger, but who knows? We'll see what happens there. It seems that uh, Jerry unexpectedly or very expectedly wanted to do something. He he listen. He can't force free agents to sign with him. What he can do is he can make trades. <laughs> he can make a, a deal happen. Seems like Teoscar Hernandez was being shopped pretty heavily by the Blue Jays with one year left, and they wanted to go get some more pitching depth and kind of balance out their roster, maybe move George Springer to right, maybe go after a center fielder. We'll see if we have more of that in the coming days. But they decided to get a controllable reliever, and Eric Swanson who's very good, a good pitching prospect in Adam Mako. For the Mariners who are looking for offensive invite, I mean, yeah, it's a no-brainer. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez has been just a bona fide slugger for three, four, five years now. I mean, he's... He's as, as cool as it gets. He doesn't get the headlines in Toronto because they have so many other more famous players. But he's he's amazing. He's he just hit two runs against him in the postseason. I'm I am obviously very excited about this. But what was your take? It's very easy to, whenever Jerry Depoto makes a trade, tweet like "LOL, Jerry Depoto go brr, like." Mm-hmm. But you have to remember, professional baseball players don't want to live in Seattle. Okay, that is mostly due to travel and a lack of proximity to where they're from. That's understandable. If I had to spend that much time on a plane for equal amounts of money, I would live somewhere else too. And so that means it's harder for the Mariners to get big free agents. And Jerry Depoto, in some ways, is the perfect general manager to flip the script on that because he's just going to make a ton of trades and that's how he's going to acquire players. So it's easy to dunk on the Mariners or make jokes about it, but it is a reality of their unique geographic situation and yeah and a lot of it too was for so long as it was such a big pitcher's park and it still is to some degree where it was like hitters don't want to hitters also just don't want to play there right uh but but listen i for one year i mean swanson's really good Mako is i could be really good but they have been churning out so many pitchers and they certainly have built a lot of pitching depth that this is this is an easy yes and i'm just i'm just super excited about it and if it does close the door on hanniger then that's Sad, but we'll see. I'm not going to close that door quite yet. Now, the corresponding move after Teoscar was acquired by the Mariners, they had one too many outfielders. They still might. That means Kyle Lewis, the 2020 Rookie of the Year, was dealt away to the Arizona Diamondbacks for someone named Cooper Hummel, who, Jordan, is a catcher? Uh, catcher, outfielder. He he's he's kind of all over. Uh, like the D backs have many of these. <laughs> he's kind um, of all over the place. Now here's the thing about Kyle Lewis. Yeah. He won the 2020 Rookie of the Year. He, he was did. incredible. He was transcendent. And then his leg exploded. Well, 
Well, his leg exploded before he was rookie of the year. His leg exploded in his third professional game or whatever, 15 professional game when he was playing for the Everett Aqua Sox, oh, right, right, whose right. hat I am wearing. Uh, but he has dealt with multiple other injuries since. And he is, again, as, as injury prone as he gets, sadly. Um, and it's kind of sapped all the, the athleticism that he had when he was Golden Spikes winner and whatever. So now he's really a corner outfielder at best, if not just a DH. But the reality is he wasn't hitting when he was in the big leagues last year. And he just needs a fresh start. There's no room for him to get major league playing time. There are still people who 100% believe that Kyle Lewis can be a very good major league hitter. And I'm generally one of them. It wasn't going to happen in Seattle anytime soon. They they don't have the time right now to be testing out Kyle Lewis. (laughs) And so I'm glad they gave him a shot. I'm glad they gave him a shot elsewhere. And I I can only wish him the best. I I hope he stays healthy. Now, it's kind of a weird fit because while they don't really have an obvious DH, they also have a million outfielders in Arizona. So that's a little strange, but maybe they just see him as a DH and they want to give him those at-bats. And Cooper Hummel, I mean, listen, to me, this is the same thing as when they traded for Abraham Toro, which obviously hasn't worked out great. But as long as they're not – but it's different because with Toro, he's going to be a very important part of our team. The reality is both of these guys are 27-year-olds who have been only successful in AAA the last two years. And Cooper Hummel is way more versatile defensively than Kyle Lewis is. And so they go they go for him. But I'm not overthinking it. It's sad in a lot of ways. I mean, he was Jerry Depoto's first draft pick. Um, and, and amazing that they got him in that first round, which, by the way, is not looking like a very good first round. Because I went back and looked at that first round 2016. I mean, Kyle Lewis fell to 11th, which a lot of people were surprised by. But I'm looking ahead of him and... I, I still am not sure how many of the guys ahead of him I really would want more than Kyle Lewis. I mean, I don't know if we want to play this game now, but it's a really not super impressive <laughs> group of players. Uh, like, I mean, Mickey Moniak, we love Mickey Moniak, but I'd probably still rather have Kyle Lewis. That one's, that one's close. Nick Senzel, Ian Anderson, Riley Pint, Corey Ray, AJ Puck, Braxton Garrett, Cal Quantrill, Matt Manning, Zach Collins. So, you know, Quantrill's a no-brainer. Ian Anderson, probably yes. But other than that, I mean, there's a lot of whiffs in that top 10. So maybe Kyle Lewis can still be, you know, one of the best players in that draft. Speaking about one of the best players in a draft, let's talk about Bryce Harper, who dominated headlines in October and early November for, you know, dominating the baseball games. The whole time he was DHing because of an injury in his elbow, and it was reported couple days ago that he will undergo surgery on his ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow. Now, the UCL, that ligament, is when the ligament that gets Tommy John surgery. I've had it. Every pitcher under the sun has had it. But because Harper is not a pitcher, that means that the extent of the injury and the recovery process is, is very different because he's not throwing full gas 100 times a day. That's not his right. job. Throwing That's is not, not his, his job. job. It's part Throwing of his, is job, not his job, but it's not his job. Correct. And what that means is there's a chance that they don't need to do a full Tommy John surgery. And so this is what Dave Dabrowski said. This cracks me up. I, I want to banter about this. We have no prognosis until the surgeon goes into the elbow and takes a look at it. So the Phillies 2023 season, whether they're able to challenge for the division or not, will be dictated by whatever, I believe it's Dr. Neil Elatrach, Mm -hmm. sees when he goes into Bryce Harper's skin. He's going to zip that thing open. He's going to take a little peek ski in there, check out what's going on, and either Harper will be ready to go in April or June (laughs) or August. (laughs) This is a good way to do it, right? It's like, all right, he goes in. Debrowski's not going to – I don't think he's going to be there, but they'll come out and be like – 85 wins. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's like, oh, he comes back out. 91 wins. Oh, he's coming back in April. It's, it's so funny. So, yeah, it's it's very, very, very goofy. Uh, but it's a huge deal. I mean, there's a reason we, you know, I don't blame them for completely ignoring it for the whole year because it worked. Uh, but yeah, this is a big, this is a big deal. This is, this will, this will sway the NL East odds. What Neil Latrash, Neil Latrash finds in his elbow. You don't ever want to lose Bryce. You really don't. Phillies manager Rob Thompson said. Oh, that's a good. See, that's why he's manager of the year in my book. Because that's the kind of insight that. <laughs> you don't. Uh, you don't. No, I mean, he's right. I wouldn't have. He's never going to tell him he's wrong. I've lost Bryce Harper many times in my life. And whenever it happens, it's a bad day. <laughs> well said. But yeah, I mean, we hope Bryce is back. But 
you know, I we'll find out next week. We will talk about this next week because we uh, I wish we could get, report live from the surgery room. Yeah, exactly. Ne- Dr. Neil Alatrach, what are you seeing in there? How, like, where should <laughs> I put my money? Let's move on to a different uh, story. Anthony Rizzo mm-hmm. re-signed with the Nueva York Yankees. It is a two-year deal that includes a third-year option, mm-hmm. bringing the total to somewhere around, I think, right around $50 million, mm-hmm. I believe, if there's a buyout at the end. Now, Rizzo just had one of the best seasons of career of his career with the Yankees, hitting in Yankee Stadium with the short porch and right certainly helps as a left-handed hitter. I don't really want to talk about Rizzo specifically. I want to talk about the Yankees. And Jordan, the Yankees are a treadmill. And here is why. If the Yankees go out and bring Judge back and they've already brought Rizzo back and they get a starter in the rotation to replace Jamison Tyon, and that's the team they run it back with, it's the same freaking team that, on one hand, won 99 games, but on the other, looked undeniably overmatched in a playoff series against the best team in the world. And barely got by Cleveland. (laughs) Barely got by Cleveland. So there is cause... For celebration, if the Yankees can go secure Aaron Judge and bring back Anthony Rizzo, who is really good, those are important signings. That's like they need to do that. But all they're doing is just running it back. Like it's the same thing. And so, yeah, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else for the Yankees because the other parts of their team were so underwhelming and Aaron Judge is not going to be an 11-win player again. There's no fucking chance. Maybe a healthy DJ LeMahieu, you know, closes some of that difference and Mm -hmm. Gleyber Torres is, you know, better than he was last year and Anthony Volpe. Like, there are ways that they can improve internally. I understand that. But running it back with the same team is not going to win them a World Series. It's just not. I agree, and and I think I think fans feel the same way. And uh, you know, Hal Steinbrenner had some cryptic like, you know, we we love Judge, whatever, and, and we we made it clear, you know, we can do other things too. Like, all right, well, we'll see about that. Because I agree, you know, they have enough to replace here that uh, you know they're going to have to, you know, Benintendi too, right? I mean, they 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 are not going to. You're counting on a lot internally to go right if this is going to get better next year. Um, and so, so I, t- I, I totally agree with you, but at the same time, like Rizzo was a no brainer. There was no way that they were, they were going to let him go. He uh, really loves it there. He oh does. my God. Yes. He's, no, he's, he is a great fit and, and it's, you know, good for him. Um, a couple other signings, uh, then we're going to get to mailbag. Uh, first of all, the only two to take the qualifying offer, Jock Peterson and Martin Perez. Jordan. Both of, oh yeah. Question. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's a- for the listeners who maybe don't know, can you explain what the qualifying offer is? Sure. So the qualifying offer is a one-year contract offer uh, that is an amount that is determined by, I believe, the top 10% of uh, player salaries or the median of the top 10% of player salaries. It usually goes up every year because salaries are going up every year. It is a one-year offer that teams can offer to free agents that either they can accept it and come back for a year and players can only receive it once. Or they can reject if they reject it, and the reason what's qualifying is you are quali- you are making a competitive one year offer of around twenty million dollars. If the player rejects it, which most of them do, the team gets a uh, draft pick uh, compensation. They get a draft pick for it, usually after the second or third round. So it's basically trying to incentivize teams. Hey, uh, you can now that works backwards too because in some ways it, it hampers the the amount because then you lose a draft pick if you sign a player that. that that had a qualifying qualifying offer. And in that way, it is suppressing spending, whatever. We don't have to get it. This is a much more complicated conversation. But the point is the qualifying offer is one year, you know, $20 million deal. And for Jock Peterson and Martin Perez, who have not made anywhere close to that in one year in their careers, even though being billiards for a long time, they were like, uh, yeah, I'll do that. And then maybe I'll just be good again and hit the free agent market next year. And so these were the two I think we expected to take it. The other one, Tyler Anderson, we'll talk about in a second. But, I mean, yeah, happy for these guys. I mean, they've been in the big leagues for a long time. And then to just have these seasons and, and get a $10 million raise is, is pretty sick. And so that's that's pretty pretty good. Pretty good for them. I'm kind of bummed out that Chalk's not a free agent. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. – I wanted a Jock bidding war, and we won't get that now. And it kind of true. makes me a little bit sad. The last one we want to talk about is Tyler Anderson. Mm-hmm. So he was amazing last year with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Doesn't walk anybody. 
He's one of those lefties whose body looks like it's breaking as he's pitching. He's been like a solid starter for a number of years now. Surprise, surprise. The Dodgers figured some things out with him, and he was significantly better in 2022. He, Jordan, do you have the contract details up in front of you? Yeah, I believe he signed for three years and $39 million. So again, he was also offered the qualifying offer, but instead of taking the $20 million for one year, he's getting $13 million a year for three years to drive down the five? Yeah, maybe. Oh, I think maybe. Is that the right highway? Uh, interstate? Uh, Tyler Anderson is on the Angels now. People are like, look at this Angels rotation. Otani, like Tyler Anderson. Oh, I man, have a point. Here we go. Yeah, what's don't, don't slander Patrick Sandoval, first of all. He was pretty good last year. This is a they quote. They have some good pitchers. That's fine. This was a quote tweeted out by Sam Blum of mm. The Athletic. Mm-hmm. Sam Blum. Tyler, Ander- a- Tyler Anderson said he thinks the Angels, quote, are going to be really good. We've got a lot of good players on this team. Here's what I will say to Tyler Anderson. The first and second part of that quote are different things, as the Angels have proved over the last seven years. The Angels are, quote, going to be really good. Hmm? We've got a lot of good players on this team. Yes. Yes, you do. That is true. Rendon. Trout. You. Rendon. First Otani, name. Yes. You know? A lot of good players on <laughs> this team. Taylor Ward. Yeah. Taylor Ward. Angels going to be really good? I'll take the under. On that one, I feel really bad for Tyler Anderson that he signed with the Angels. Like, I mean, something horrible is going to happen. Something horrible is going to happen. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, look, it's it's the same thing. Listen, we have a lot of Angels hit on the show. But it's really, it's just like, dude, if you lose seven years in a row with the two best players in the world, like, I'm just not going to take you seriously until you prove me wrong. The thing is, but look, at the same time, you know, people say, wow, all right, Tyler Anderson. I mean, he didn't get that much more than Rafael Montero got. (laughs) So... I mean, it's it could be a pretty good deal. His ERA in the same number of innings was lower than Carlos Rodon. Now, did he have literally 100 fewer strikeouts? Yes. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, he'll be fine. But again, doesn't doesn't change. Doesn't move the needle on me for the, uh, for, uh, for the Angels at all. Let's go to the mailbag. Let's do it. Let's open it up. Now, just to let everyone know, on Monday, Jordan and I will be recording a podcast in the same place. IRL, Unbelievable. Baby. And for that show, we will do a number of mailbag questions. Today, we're going to do just one. And this yes. is from actual friend of the show, Tyler Stafford. <clears throat> he says, oh, no. Oh, uh, you can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Yes. He says, oh, no, we're getting old. Gentlemen, I'm about to turn 30. Tomorrow he turns 30, Jordan, November 19th, 1992. You two were both famously children who are now old. That is true. We all were. My question is simple but terrifying. Who will be the last major leaguer who is older than each of us? Love, but with Jeremy Payne as heart sign, Tyler. So let's start with Tyler, Jordan, to talk about who is the last major leaguer who will be older than our friend Tyler. So he said November 19th, 1992. And... I think it's kind of a layup here yeah, for him. Or at least between a very small number. It is way easier to answer generally for him than it will be for us in a second. Uh, Tyler is just a month younger than one Bryce Harper who we just talked about. And the key to this is, one, you're probably betting more on, on hitters. Hitters are under contract for longer generally. That's the other thing is who is definitely going to still be being paid to play baseball many years into the future. And Bryce Harper and Mookie Betts, who are a couple months between each other, are the answers to that question. Harper under contract through 2031 when he'll be 38. Betts under contract through 2032 when I believe he'll be 40. Um, Or uh, maybe 39. Uh, And so those are the two obvious picks because they will still definitively, as we sit right now in 2022, have a reason to still be playing baseball then. Now, so many now, things can happen. But right. who knows? Maybe for him. maybe there's like a Jamie Moyer type. We just don't know exactly. who that is from where we sit. Now, for Jordan and I, mm-hmm. there is something called the Bellinger Zone that we have. Jordan's <laughs> we might have birth- to rename soon. <laughs> I know. Jordan's birthday is March 10th, 1995. <laughs> I am September 5th, 1995. Anyone born in the six months minus five days between our birthdays 
is the so-called Cody Bellinger zone because Cody Bellinger was born in that zone. July 13th. He's like smack in the middle. Correct. Now, let's do you first, and then I'll pick a couple guys who are older than me but younger than you. Mm -hmm. So the first, now again, easiest thing, right? I mean, baseball reference makes this very easy to look at. Birth years and and the exact birth dates. In terms of the best players who I could imagine playing for a long time who are just a little bit older than me, one that stands, look, you know, Brian Reynolds is a boring answer, but you could certainly see him sticking around for a long time. He's January 95. One pitcher who really stands out is Cal Quantrill, uh, a guy who I could imagine, certainly if he's six with Cleveland, doesn't throw that hard, which is which is really important, right? I, I don't, listen, Justin Verlander aside, I don't really want to bet on someone who's throwing hard right now in their mid-20s to be pitching forever. And so I'm, I kind of am leaning more, more crafty if I'm going to pick a pitcher. Um, JP Crawford, he's a you know, January. That's another one who maybe he could play defense until he's 40. Uh, is there, are there any others that are old that, that yes. you see as an option for me? Okay. There I are two, at, 94. There's a couple more too. Yeah. There are two obvious ones I think for you mm-hmm. and maybe also for me, maybe Nestor yeah. Cortez, mm-hmm. Yankee starter who is short and stout and doesn't throw that hard mm-hmm. and is a lefty. And I could imagine pitching deep into his late 30s. Like, he's the type of guy that you can envision as this 40-year-old Bartolo-like legend bounding around from team to team. Mm-hmm. Now, also, you know, we got 94, we got Correa, we got Seager. Those guys are under, going to be under contract for a really long time. But pitchers, I think, is more fun to guess. I do agree. You know, now Max Freed, there's maybe going to be, could, could possibly be your Moyer, but it's still a little optimistic. I think I you're know. looking at this wrong. I really mm-hmm. do. I think you're just naming baseball players who are older than you. Nestor Cortez fits the perfect profile <laughs> of, listen, let me finish, of old crafty lefty. That's what you want. And then the other guy I would take would be Alex Bregman. And even though he's also 94, I'll take him over Correa, over Seager, all over those other guys uh, under contract because Alex Bregman likes baseball much more than other people. He is dependent on it emotionally, I think, in a way that a lot of big leaguers are maybe not. And because of that, he will play until his body gives out. Nestor Cortez and Alex Bregman are your answers. For me, diving into the Bellinger zone, the two names that I picked out were Zach Gallen who also doesn't throw that hard. Now, the issue with him is that he he's a pitcher, right? He's a right-handed starter, and those guys don't always. Yeah, you want to also bet on someone. I mean, you know, any of these guys could could transition to the bullpen at some point. So I, I, I like the gallon pick. I think that's pretty yeah. strong. And then the one that I'm really in on is Ranger Suarez, who mm-hmm. was so – he's just like the Nestor pick. He was so much fun to watch in the postseason for the Phillies and just – Already pitches like he's 38. My my biggest concern with the Nestor and the Suarez picks, and the reason why I'm just staying boring and picking the good baseball players who have been good for a really long time, is a year ago we would have said Nestor and Ranger Suarez. Like those would not have been our picks. Like I'm worried that the magic could be poof and those both guys could be out of the league in three years, and that it's like, well, that was stupid. So that's that's, that's very you know. true. But anyway, no, I, I do like the way you're thinking about it. Now, so thank you. It, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you have very good question, if you have questions for us, send them to baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Who do you think the first player older than you, or the last, sorry, the last player older than you will be? We're going to take a quick. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was just going to say, yeah, B A R B cast. I'm just realizing that Sandy Alcantara is two days younger than you. How does that make you feel as a pitcher? <laughs> it makes me feel good. We'll be right back. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast for the end of this show. And to conclude things today, we're going to do a little free agent talk. Now, so much ink, virtual ink, has been spilled over the top of this free agent class. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper 
into the middle and the bottom of it and discuss some of the players that we care about, that we are interested in. We've each picked five. We don't know the players that the other guy has picked. Now, when we say uh, not the top of the class, we prohibited one another from picking anyone in the top 10. The top 10 in our heads is pretty obvious. It is the four shortstops. It is the three aces. That is Verlander, Rodon, and DeGrom. Aaron Judge, Brandon Nimmo, Wilson Contreras. Those are the players that we cannot talk about. And Jordan, would you like to lead us off with your first free agent that you care about? Sure. Uh, I know this is one that you also care about, but again, we did cross-reference with our producer, Chris, so that we don't have any overlap. And amazingly, we don't have any overlap. And I'm going to just start with someone who I believe could be signing pretty soon, and that is Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu, now, he's been one of my favorite players for a long time. The reason why I am most interested into where he goes next is twofold. One, it is seems like the White Sox are like, yeah, sorry, we're not spending any money. We're not bringing Jose Abreu back, which is which is kind of wild because he is truly the heart and soul of their team alongside Tim Anderson, and he's done it for longer. He was the only thing that they could rely on last season, and now they're just going to let him go, and who knows what that's going to mean for them in 2023. But the other thing is like, this guy, we always talk about coming over as late as he did, being one of the best players that Cuba has ever seen. Yes, he won the MVP in 2020, which was 2020 and was a little goofy. Won the Rookie of the Year. It's not like people don't know how good he is. But generally, the White Sox haven't really had that much success with him, right? We haven't. They've had some good seasons, but it's not like he's had any big postseason moments. He hasn't been to a CS. And while he is, you know, turning 36 in January, he still has a lot left in the tank. And listen, I'm not going to be thrilled if he goes to the Astros, but if he lands on a legitimately awesome postseason team, I would love to see him have an opportunity to really elevate to and remind everyone that he is one of the best hitters in the world still on a team that is more nationally relevant. Maybe that's too harsh for the White Sox, but I really do feel that way. And, and I love Jose Brave. That's my I favorite. think he's totally gone and it's an Total bummer and makes zero sense for the White Sox. We talked about this on Monday. Dave backed themselves into a corner. My first guy is Nate Eovaldi, who you know. I knew you would pick him. That was a, that was a layoff. <laughs> you love Nate Eovaldi. Yep. Here's the thing. I have postseason brain right now. Hmm. And I am attracted to starters who can get 15 outs in October. I am scrolling through these free agent lists and I'm seeing... Noah Syndergaard getting projected for like three years, $45 million, where the when I saw him pitch two weeks ago in person, he couldn't get more than, you know, eight outs. And in for me, if I'm going to give you a lot of money, you better be able to get five innings worth of postseason baseball. And so I'm looking at the list and I'm like, which down market guys can be an ace, can get me outs in October. That's what I want. I want the sexy outs. And that's mm-hmm. Nadia Valdi. A year ago, he finished fourth in the Cy Young. A year yep. ago. Okay. He threw 182 innings. Granted, it was a 3.75 ERA, but struck out a ton of people. Didn't walk a lot of people. His FIP was a full run lower than his ERA. And then this year, he struggled with injuries, only threw 109 innings, but was still basically as solid with the ERA 387, granted the Fipros, I just think a healthy Nady Evaldi is a motherfucker. And it's very hard to find a guy like that in free agency. Now, his fastball dipped, you know, a full mile per hour this year and his stuff was certainly down and his, you know, K rate plummeted and people were hitting the ball harder off of him. I understand that. Fastball velocity didn't go down that much though and he wasn't walking any more people. It's basic. My thought is that he was hurt this year and pitching through stuff. And if you can get his body healthy, he's only 32 years old. He can start game two or three of a postseason series when he's healthy. That's hard I'm, to find. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Like 95% of the way. I also love Nasty Nate. Uh, it's just not a situation where oh, I was hurt this year. I mean, this is a two time Tommy John guy. All kind of like it. I would not want to see this medical. Now, at the same time, he's still did that and came back and was awesome in 2021. Like he's had a bunch of, like I'm with you. Like the upside is still clearly here. So yeah, I totally agree with you. It's just, you know, there's going to be teams that are still scared of that. There's a roller coaster here and I'll take one more ride on it. You know, <laughs> I, strap me in. I'll see where it goes. Just quickly, a thought on the term career as a roller coaster. 
Isn't going down the fun part of a roller coaster <laughs> and not the fun part of life? Like, if you said, yeah, our relationship was a roller coaster. Yeah. You're implying that the going down part was not fun, whereas <laughs> in a roller coaster, no one likes the crinkety crank going up. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun. It's, you're, you're, you're terrified going down also. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> All right, my next guy is also a starting pitcher. And if you told me I would have picked this guy a year ago, I'd say that's insane. This is one of my least favorite pitchers in the world. But I'm going with Andrew Heaney. I'm going with Andrew Heaney because I know Jake can't believe it. Oh, what the hell's wrong with you? But this stat I just can't get out of I can't get out of my head, right? You you you're thinking, okay, Tyler Anderson, right? Tyler Anderson did some voodoo magic and had an ERA of 2-3, right? It's like, oh, what is that? What are, they, what are they doing with the Dodgers? And while Heaney was injured, he did make 14 starts, 70 innings. And among pitchers with 70 innings, only Spencer Strider had a higher strikeout rate than Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney has struck out 35% of the batters he faced this year in over in four, in 14 starts, 16 games. I, listen, I, not that he's never struck out guys before, but this is the kind of thing I'm most curious is this a test case. Do I believe in this? I don't know. I just would love to see if someone believes, okay, we can do this. Or is this is just complete, complete magic. And, and the real reason I think, think about how terrible he was with the Yankees. Another smart pitching org last year. They trade for him. He's catastrophically bad. And the Dodgers are like, it's fine. We got it. Here. Okay. 35% K rate. You're a starting pitcher. What? What the fuck? What the fuck is that? I, I don't I don't get it. I just I just want to know what this looks like, even more than Tyler Anderson, because the results were so extreme in one way. It wasn't just run prevention. The whiffs were higher than literally any Justin Verlander season ever. So there you go. That's why here's here's the thing. I think running an organization, so much of it is knowing what you don't know and accepting what you can't do. And I wouldn't touch Andrew Heaney with a 10-foot pole unless I was Cleveland. Because it's like, I don't know what the thing. Who why do we just it's it's entire now we're not even talking about the player. It's just like, all right, it's them, yes, them, no. Like, okay. I mean, yeah, that's how it's turned out in baseball. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I'm gonna stick with a veteran pitcher. And I'm gonna take Johnny Cueto. Mm -hmm. Johnny Cueto looked cooked like a goose. He was bad for and hurt for four years in San Francisco. He was as irrelevant as it gets. And then he showed up on the White Sox this year and had a 3-3-5 ERA in 158 innings and was a key reason why this team was still in the mix down the stretch into September. Now, he's old. He's not the guy he once was. He's going to pitch next year at 37 years old. But you're telling me I'm going to get 25 starts and like a 3-7 ERA with elite vibes? Sure. Think yes. about it like this. If your favorite team signs Johnny Cueto, you're going to be amped for his first start of the year. You're going to sit down and you're going to watch it and you're going to be like, hell yeah, I have Johnny Cueto on my favorite team. You might even buy a Johnny Cueto jersey. You know, we're talking about the fourth or third best Dominican pitcher in baseball history. Okay, this guy's a legend. And if he's healthy enough, he's going to find a way to get outs. So I am super interested in Johnny Cueto. I would love him on the Orioles. Oh, my God. I was going to say, also great contrast to Andrew Heaney, where some people will be like, well, what's the upside with Johnny Cueto, really? He's, he's the opposite. He struck out five guys per nine, <laughs> but he was getting outs. Uh, so yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it, that is a good that is a good contrast. I love Cueto. I wrote about him earlier. He yeah, without them, the White Sox aren't even close. They're not even anywhere. They're not even sniffing um, being relevant in September. So totally with you on that one. All right, my next one is also we're gonna go back to the Dodgers, and let's just talk about Joey Gallo. And I'm thinking about Joey Gallo because, like Nate Eovaldi, it was not that long ago that Joey Gallo hit a shit ton of home runs, and yes, he struck out a million times. But my my question is like is is it is it over? Like is he just completely toast? Like it's very possible, very possible. But I ref, I I with the, also with the shift going away, he's of course the poster boy for that. But I I joke like he has to hit the ball at all if if that's gonna if he's gonna take advantage of that, and he certainly hasn't been doing that recently. 
So I'm just wondering if it's totally over with him because, listen, you know, we saw in 2020 it wasn't exactly pretty, and then he came back and led the league in walks and hit 38 homers the next season. So I'm just curious if this Yankees and Dodgers uh, detour has completely derailed his entire career or if someone believes in maybe a less <laughs> pressure-filled market that it's like, hey, Joey, come here, relax, hit 220, hit 40 homers for us. Let's chill. He needs to be on a bad team is what Probably. Joey Gallo needs. Just yeah. go to Cincinnati, swing oh. as hard as you can, oh, hit the ball over the short fence. Please, come to say, I, I would love to watch Joey Gallo next year. That'd be great. Barry Bonds quaking in his boots. All oh, right, my, my God, next pick is Michael Brantley. Mm-hmm. He was he was, just, he was a fringe list for me. Almost almost did him. Yep. Michael Brantley, who just won a World Series, his first World Series. Congratulations to him. Weird to see him as a free agent. Michael Brantley was hurt for most of 2022. He tore his labrum in his right shoulder, which is a very serious injury. So, you know, this assumes that he comes back from that, which is maybe not a fair assumption for a guy who's 35 years old. If you take a look at the offensive numbers, he was just as good in 2022, if not a tick better than he'd been in previous seasons. Yeah. He was considered one of the just best pure hitters in the world. And that didn't change for the first two, three months of the season. The only difference is that his walk weight, his walk weight, his walk rate was up uh, 4.7%. So that's pretty significant. And his swing rate was down 4.1%. This is one of the best hitters in baseball. He doesn't have power anymore. He's going to hit 300. He's going to play a bad corner outfield spot or be your DH. And he's going to not fold in the postseason. I think so, like this is just such a no-brainer signing for a team that is good. This is just, he's so good on a good team. And he showed us that. He was never the best player on the Astros. He was never the guy who scared you the most. But there's something about... Okay, you just got the fifth hitter in the lineup out. Oh, fuck. Michael Brantley, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, depends what team. With the Astros or yeah, with the other team, it depends what team he's on, right? Because we see him batting second. Remember when the Blue Jays signed him during the inauguration? That was really funny. Um, <laughs> he, okay, good fit yeah. for the Blue Jays. I they know. just traded Teoscar Hernandez. They could use a bat like this. There are so There's no team in baseball except for the Phillies who couldn't use Michael Brantley. Uh, all right, my next one is one. I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick this one. Assuming you didn't, I'm going to go with Kenley Jansen. The reason why I'm going to go with Kenley Jansen is because the relief market right now is completely out of control. We we're handing out five years to Robert Suarez. <laughs> like, I mean, I listen. I love relievers. I know they're important. Kenley Jansen last year got a year, sixteen million, and. I f and then just led the league in saves again. And look, I know that he was getting hit pretty hard. He had a bit more of a homer issue this year. But he's the strikeouts are still there. He is throwing just as hard. Like when he's on, he looks just as good. And I know he's a little, he's older. You know, he's 35. But man, I, I don't know, man. I feel like he could cash in even more this time than last year, which to me is just a hilarious turn of events. And, uh, and I'm curious to see who, who goes wild for Kenley Jansen because – you know, reputation-wise, I mean, he's he has done it for way longer and is still good compared to, you know, think about his peers who have completely, no one, I mean, they'll get signed, but Kimbrell and Chapman, we're not talking about it. Uh, it's funny you say that, Jordan, because yeah. my next guy is a Roldis Chapman. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I was wondering if he was going to be on the list. Okay, so that's a good transition. So go ahead. It is very funny to see Chapman, Jansen, and Kimbrell all on the market right now at the same time. Mm -hmm. They are three of the best five closers of all time. They are the 21st century, you know, three-headed monster. Mm -hmm. And now here they are in their mid-30s with their raw stuff down a bit, question marks about all of them, all hitting the market together. Chapman is the one I'm super interested in because he was the one, I think, who looked the most lost in 2022, I know Kimbrell was really a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even make. But yes, I agree. I think I agree. Just think if you, we had said to you, these three guys, two of them won't be on the postseason roster. Right. That's nuts to think about. And Chapman probably would have been, but then he got an infection in his leg and then just didn't show up to the workout. 
I am fascinated to see how that influences his market. He's still throwing 98 miles an hour with a left arm. That and the splitter is just so ridiculous for like, him, and he's been throwing that more. Yeah, the stuff is still the stuff. Now he has no idea where it's going at all, and some of that has to do with I'm sure his body's getting older, and he just has less control of it, et cetera, et cetera. Some team will let him be a closer, or give him money to see if he can figure it out. Because again, he's a left-hander throwing 98 miles an hour, and he's going to be in a new uniform. It's going to look super weird. But he is still a Roldis freaking Chapman. Facts. My last guy, listen, I'll, I'm going to be transparent with you. Uh, does your last guy's name start with M? No. Okay, good. So I thought about doing Michael Conforto, but let's be real. Let's just talk about Mike Zanino for a couple minutes. Mike Zanino, who was an all-star last year and then was hurt for almost all of this season. Um, you know I love him. You know I think he's good. And really, it's just that, like, he's 31, he's going to be 32. He was an all-star catcher last year. We know at the very least he's good defensively. And the catching market, both trade and free agency, this winner is just really interesting. I mean, there just aren't that many good catchers. And whoever misses out on Sean Murphy or, you know, Wilson Contreras or one of the Blue Jays guys, hey, let's bring in Mike Z. Let's make it happen. I'll be tweeting about every one of his home runs. So that's a benefit. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just uh hoping hoping he can find and and believing he can quietly find a starting job. There's just nothing. No one's talking about him at all because he was hurt and bad the whole season. But I I'm just I'm just interested, obviously invested. So yeah, what do you think? So you truly believe he can find a starting job and not have to be a back. I haven't looked at it that closely, but I, I I feel like it. Yeah, maybe not on like the best teams, but I I think he can. I, again, the, he was all-star catcher last year. Like, I, I don't, there's just not that many good catchers out there. Our friend Michael Bauman wrote a good article at yes. Fangraphs about which good teams need catching help. And mm-hmm. so the 2022 catcher war, mm-hmm. teams that could upgrade, the obvious ones are Cleveland, where he's a yeah, perfect it, fit. Cleveland and St. Louis are the ones that that are no-brainers to trade for Sean Murphy or I mean he now Cleveland makes even more sense because if he hits 200 they're like great because at least he would have more power than Austin Hedges. That's the thing. In St. Louis doesn't totally make as much sense to me. Cleveland does because they like an older veteran catcher who can handle mm-hmm. a young pitching staff yep. and he gives them power which is something they had zero of last year. Yes. I don't think he makes as much sense say with like the White Sox or the Twins or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll guess right now he's a starter for Cleveland or he goes and signs with a bad team or he's a backup for a good team. Those are my three options. All right. My last guy, Jordan, yep. was also on the Tampa Bay race. Mm. And I'm going with Kevin Kiermeyer. Yeah. Yes. I thought about him too. Go ahead. Kevin Kiermeyer missed almost all of 2022 with a hip injury. Before that, he had been one of the most fascinating players in baseball who just stopped hitting. He's not a very good hitter. He, in 2021, he was basically league average. In 19 and 18, he was well below that. He hasn't been, he's really never been a great hitter at all at any point in his career. That being said, he is the best defensive center fielder, I think, since Andrew Jones. And I feel pretty confident saying that. He is so consistent out there. He is so dynamic. And he offers you the opportunity to put shitty defenders in the corners. And this is something that I think we saw a lot in the postseason and watching the Phillies all the time. A ball hit into the outfield, into the gaps, it was like, that's Brandon Marsh's job. And it allowed the Phillies to put Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos on the corners because Brandon Marsh was going to run so much down. And in an era where you're trying to fit as much juice into the lineup as possible, I think Kiermaier, who can still go get it, nothing is different and if he comes back from the hip injury, he was in 2021. Let me just. He was his outs above average was 98th percentile in baseball. He was still incredible. So I think he makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams. He's still only 33. I just think he's freaking good. I think he's yeah, a good he's, fit for like the Mariners, man. Like I know Julio maybe put him in. You move him to the corner and like Kiermaier is so good. And when you're when you're watching playoff baseball as a fan. And the ball's hit into the outfield. And you're like, oh, that's caught. That's going to be caught. When you can expect an out, it is the best for the pitching staff, 
for the vibes and for your team. Uh, Julio is great in center. We don't need Kevin Kiermaier, but <laughs> there are a lot of teams that would like, I mean, Blue Jays, if they miss out on Nimmo, um, would make sense. I think, I mean, the obvious one that everyone is pointing out is the Cubs, who his brother is like the groundskeeper, one of the head groundskeepers there, which is cool. He's from, I mean, he's from Indiana, uh, but went to JUCO uh, in Illinois. Yeah, I, I, he he's a, he's a fun for for a lot of teams, and also a really easy. I mean, he is so likable, so rootable, and and you know, hopefully he's you know hitting eighth or ninth, but super fun player that I in the longest tenured rate. I mean, think I know it was a lot of it was because he he signed this extension that didn't really make him that his trade value was down, but amazing to stick around for the, with the Rays for as long as he did. I mean, ten seasons with Tampa is, is an achievement on itself. Places where he makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. The Mets, if Nimmo leaves, the Giants, the aforementioned Jays, the mm-hmm. Astros. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are a lot of places where he could do a lot of good. Yep. I agree. The Cardinals. I feel like the Mets would be, <laughs> you're right, but also like they had Juan Lagos <laughs> for so long and I think they kind of tired of that kind of player. So. But no, I agree with you. I think that would be that would be good. Uh, all right, those are our ten free agents that we're super interested in. Um, we'll see what happens. Maybe some of these guys will sign before Monday, our next pod, which we record in person. Uh, thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this not quite as long episode. I cannot wait to record a pod in person, Jordan. Mm. I am so amped. I can't remember the last time we recorded a podcast in person. I don't know if we even ever did that with our last show. It oh, with is, that, yeah, I was going to say we did in, in Omaha, but yeah. That's it is going to be goofy. It is going to be weird. It is going to be a bit of a throwback episode. We're going to do some old-timey baseball stuff. We're going to do a lot of mailbag. We're going to get off the rails yeah, a little send bit. Yeah, emails. Baseballbarbacast, B-A-R-B-Cast at gmail.com. And yeah, we're going we're gonna to have fun on Monday. I would say the most important thing is that we are going to do it for my parents' house. And that is why it will truly feel like we are teenagers yet again. Thank you all for listening. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Have a phenomenal weekend. Serious XM Podcasts.